0: All right. Hey guys, welcome back to Returning to Eden. This is the place where we talk about all things purity culture. We dive into what it looks like to be a whole healthy adult where we honor the Lord, honor ourselves, and honor other people. And in today's episode, I have a very special guest for you. Her name is Jackie Dorman. She is a seasoned relationship coach, professional matchmaker, captivating speaker, dedicating nearly a quarter century to empowering women to embrace their true potential. With her unique blend of humor, candid advice, and relatable approach, she has garnered a vast following as a regular contributor on national radio, inspiring millions. Jackie holds the key to thriving relationships, having discovered a profound method to guide countless individuals in nurturing their hearts, fostering openness, and preparing them for a lifelong commitment to marriage. Her Instagram account, which is my favorite part of everything Jackie puts out brims with engagement announcements, surpassing even the most popular proposal focused profiles that I follow. That was a lot of P's and F's there. Sorry about that. So welcome, Jackie.
1: Hi. Hello. Hey, Eden. Thanks for having me. Hi, everybody. (laughs)
0: well thank you for joining us today i so appreciate you so we don't have a whole lot of time guys so we're gonna go real fast into these questions so i want to first hear jackie what you feel like the lord is saying about millennials and marriage well i think
1: that millennials are the i don't think i know that millennials are the biggest generation right now on the earth And so unless the alphas, the ones that are being born now, outnumber you, you guys are going to remain the king of the hill in that way of being the largest generation on earth. And you're also in that sweet spot of baby making and family creating. You know, obviously, um, you know, people get married over the age of 50 and we have a lot of Uh, evidence of that in our movement which is super exciting and then there are people that get married younger than 25 as well and that's awesome but that 26, 27 to 43 year old age range is the millennial range right now and it is the sweet spot of people really wanting to partner, wanting to get married, and wanting to build family together. And so I believe that uh, God wants his sons and daughters married um, I think so many people and, and also the millennial generation is the, is the one that is at most at risk of not getting married because of modern culture. So culture is predicting that that age group, whether it's millennials or when the Z generation gets into that age group, by the, by the year 2039, that age group from 25 to 50 is going to be 70% unmarried. And so I really would love to see the millennial generation, which is sitting in that seat right now. They're the ones that are in that age bracket. I would love to see them defy statistics. I would love to see them partner with heaven. I believe that God is calling His kids to show this culture what it looks like to do marriage and family well. And to almost be missionaries, if you like that word, to the marriage and family metron. So many people are opting out of marriage, they're opting to just go solo in life and focus on, you know, their desires and their whatever it is that they want to do. But I love the old saying that says, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. And so I believe that God is calling the millennials, because they're in that 25 to 50 age range right now, to go ahead and volunteer as tribute. It's not the Hunger Games, but... Marriage is not for the faint of heart. It will refine you. It will stretch you. And I believe that it's God's maturity plan for mankind. But guess what? It's so worth it. It's not easy, but it is so worth it.
0: Amen. Oh, I so love that. And I feel that too. You know, I was married before and now I'm no longer married. And it's one of those things where I'm looking around going, wow, the culture has shifted so much. And there are so many people in their 30s and 40s that have have never been married, have gone on very few dates. And honestly, like... There's been, there's a lot of people that I talk to and who reach out to me saying that they feel like they've been overlooked by people. Like um, they just feel like they, they don't know how to attract people. So what kind of advice do you give people like that who just feel like they're being overlooked and they, but they want to be married? What, what would you tell them?
1: Well, first of all, the reason why, like you said during my introduction, that we have been able to really have supernatural success in the area of helping people get engaged and married to the tune of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in just the last 33 months is because we do something that's based on a protocol that I created called the Heartwork. work. And so first of all, I think that the way you think about yourself is it makes all the difference. And it's not about positive mental attitude. It's not about confessions or declarations because all of that is still coming from here. It's coming from a a headspace. But you need to get that positive information about yourself that you're not left out, you're not left behind, that you're not forgotten, that maybe it hasn't happened yet but it's still going to happen, especially if you have a heart's desire for it. Get that good stuff from here to here, that 18-inch journey from head to heart and we call that the heart work. You know, there's scripture in the Bible and Proverbs that says, basically, I'm going to paraphrase it for you and make it understandable that what you believe about yourself, you become and what you become, you then attract. So a lot of people know about the new age kind of law of attraction sort of language well, it isn't new age. (laughs) It's, it's not. And a lot of people are like, Oh, that's silly. That's not real. That's not true because that's over in a different camp of ideologies and philosophies. It actually, for those of you, um, that, you know, ascribe to the ancient wisdom, the Bible, the Holy scriptures, it's actually very biblically based. And so we have to deal with our own identity if we're ever going to expect to attract people that, um, see us the way that we want to be seen.
0: Wow! Yeah, that's so good. So let's say we've we've done our heart work. We we have a um, we have wounds that are probably healed and are ready for the next step. Um, what do you say to people who are are ready for that? Like, what? How do they typically? like, okay, sorry, this is such an odd question. But I am of the opinion, like, I don't know how to flirt. Like, I do not know how to engage the opposite sex because I was raised in purity culture and I just don't know. It's like, it's like a muscle that never developed. And so I'm the kind of person that when I meet someone attractive, I shut down and I'm like, I'd look away and I, I don't even know what to do or how to be. So what kind of advice could you give me and my girlfriends that are just like me?
1: So basically it comes back down to it comes back down to a, a self-identity situation. The reason why you meet when you meet someone attractive, you look down, you look away, you become timid, you become shy or introverted is because of something you're internally believing about your value and your worth in that moment. Otherwise, you would just treat that other person like a human being, right? You'd be able to engage them on the same level that you engage people that you don't find physically, sexually, romantically attractive the reason why you shut down in that moment is because there is an eternal narrative that you're telling yourself about what it looks like to meet someone and for them to be attracted back to you. Um, and so that's what we have to dig down to. So once again, it comes down to the heart work. There's no, and this is why the rules of dating and the seven texts to send a guy in return and all the ways to flirt, this is why they don't work because they're all, they all live here. But none of it's mirrored here, because it's about do you believe? So I just I'll take you, Eden, and I'll just we'll just do a little mirroring here, a little one-on-one coaching. Do you believe that you have something valuable to offer uh, a, a marriage and a partnership?
0: Definitely. Okay. Can you? Do me? you yes. believe that?
1: Yes, do. Um, do you believe that that there's a man out there that could find you uh, mentally, emotionally? spiritually and physically attractive?
0: Well, I hope so. You know, the, the proof is not in the pudding on that one, okay, quite so, yet, but I, I...
1: So, there's the word. You said, I hope so. You didn't say, yes, I do believe that. Because remember, Eden, all you need is one. You You don't need a million men to be attracted to you relationally, physically, spiritually. Mentally, emotionally, just one, just one man. And so when you say, I hope so, what you're doing is you're guarding your hope. You're guarding, you know, your belief system there in case it doesn't happen for you. And so many women are out there and men as well. And they're approaching this area of their life with, I'm not really sure this is for me. And I'm not really sure this is going to happen for me. And that sabotages the whole thing.
0: Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I am still uh, learning in this and I so appreciate your advice and I agree with you that there's always another layer probably to all of the things that are going on. Um, So that's awesome. So I have quite a few people around me and I think it's probably just purity culture, the way we were taught and the way we were raised is is the whole God is going to bring you a husband when it's time. You know, I was taught the whole like men are... um, either predators or prince charming it's a whole crazy crazy thing we don't need to go into but the whole point is it made me very leery of men until god hand delivered me a husband is was really the concept that i had and a lot of women my age and even older still have that mentality and they're just waiting you know kind of like ups jesus is going to deliver them a husband so what do you say to that and how how can we encourage women to be more proactive and work on their heart and um, because at the end of the day, we all want it, most of us want to be married. So how do we get from here to there?
1: Well, once again, it's about our belief systems and not the ones we believe here because we don't live out of our head knowledge. All right. Behavior follows identity and identity always comes from here. And so it's what you believe about men here. And it's based on. Um, broken archetypes in culture. It's about romance novels. It's about movies that we've been watching. It's about the men that we've been in relationship and in community with whether it's our fathers or our, um, our former husbands like in your case or our brothers or just you know men that were in some kind of other kind of community, a spiritual community, a work community. And so all those different things kind of make up all the stuff that you're talking about right now. And so we have to unpack those ideas because yeah, I understand what you're saying, Prince Charming, and then I call him Prince Alarming, not a predator. So Prince Charming or Prince Alarming, um, there's a whole spectrum of humanity in between those two. Once again, those are archetypes. We have the villain, villain, and then we have the, the knight in shining armor or the victor or the rescuer. Um, but the truth is, is that everybody has yellow flags, right? This would be a green flag. This would be a, a, a very hot red flag right? But everybody has yellow flags in the spectrum in between there. The problem is, is depending on what you believe about this area of your life, what you think it's supposed to look like, what, like, what is your meat cute, you know, what's supposed to feel like, how's it supposed to unfold. You can escalate those yellow flags that you're going to have to overcome together and couple them as you head to partnership. Um, you can escalate them into red or you could minimize them into green, depending on what your mindset is. You could ignore things that you should never ignore because you're like, you know what? I'm not going to rock the boat. I might not get another chance. I better just go ahead and hold on to this guy. We can work it out. We can overcome it. He can change. You know, maybe it's no big deal after all. Or you can maximize those things um, those, those things to a, to a red flag where every, at every turn you don't even get past eight two because you just are picking out all the flaws because a critical heart is a broken heart. And so you're picking out all the flaws. You're seeing all the you're going to Defcon one. The first time they say something you don't like, you want to cut and run. And so there's all different, a myriad of different, um, personalities that people have when they're dating and even it's important to understand that you may not have this personality with your friends within community, within your family, but it's only when romance is on the table, like this is a potential romantic partner, that you start to exhibit one of these kind of counterfeit spectrum personalities when it comes to how you view men.
0: Wow, yeah, it it really does make me feel, as a single lady, it makes me feel like I'm very, very hypercritical of men around me and it makes me feel a little bit too judgy so i'm like going the lord this is something's wrong with this i'm not this way with anybody else so it totally makes sense and it resonates so let's talk about um you i've heard you talk about attraction and how we're not always attracted in the moment to someone who we may end up married to so can you tell me a little bit about that and why it's important to go on multiple dates with the same person
1: So, people, this is the part of my advice, and I have a dating book coming out um, really soon, this fall, the beginning of fall. Um, this is the part of my advice that has helped so many people actually marry the love of their lives but they hated it at first. Everyone hates this advice at first because they're like, no, I have to be attracted. I have to be viscerally attracted. Like I want to be dreaming about them. I want to be writing, you know, future Mrs. whatever on my notebook kind of idea. And I think that it's important to just say that that is a very immature mindset. And it's appropriate for when you're a little girl. Like say this is our notebook at school and you know, we see the boy across the room that we think is so cute and we don't even understand how hard life is or how hard marriage is. Of course, if we're coming from a broken family, we do. And we're writing Mrs. blah, 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 right? When I was a kid, we used to do this thing called MASH, M-A-S-H. Did you guys do that too? Or is that just my Gen X generation? But you put like four houses you want to live in, like four places, four cars, four guys. And then you do this like little algorithm until it's just one, 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 one. And then that's the house you're going to live in. That's the car you're going to drive. That's the guy you're going to marry kind of thing. So it's a very important part, I believe, of, you know, of growing up, of like us dreaming about, you know, what our future life is going to look like. Hopefully, the little girls are adding like what they're gonna do as a career on there as well, right? And what their gifts and talents are, not just what boy am I gonna marry and what where where car am I gonna drive, you know? Um, because that generation, is, you know, we've come past that. We need to take the good things from that and marry them with the good things from now and understand that this is a partner. This is someone that you're not going to just have sex with. You're not going to just go on vacation with. You're not going to just post cute little Instagram posts about that you're going to raise up a lineage and legacy with. This is someone that, you know, you're going to hopefully only marry one unless they pass away um, until the end of the time on earth. You're going to partner together and you're going to ride this crazy ride of life together, right? And raise children and once again, that lineage and legacy piece. And so you can't base all of that amazing stuff that's gonna come and you're gonna be dealing with and going through together on a very fleeting infatuation. How dumb would that be? I mean, it's so temporary, right? And so yeah, we wanna have it, but sometimes we have to let it grow. You know, infatuation is scientifically proven not to last any longer at the max 24 months. And so after two years, you know, if you haven't already seen what's wrong with that person, if you, know, if you already don't start realizing that, you know, that they stink sometimes and that they're not always good and they have like, some stuff that they really need to work on, if you have those rose-colored glasses on for two solid years, then good on you. But normally, you're going to take those rose-colored glasses off probably within the first three to six months. And you're going to be like, wait a minute. <laughs> and some people that are really broken going into a relationship, they'll start noticing things that they don't like about that person within two to three weeks right? Or sooner, maybe two to three dates, Eden. Like on the third date, you're sitting across from him. You're like, his nose is kind of crooked. I don't know. I don't want my kids <laughs> to have that nose. You know what? You know, th- I had a student just recently that was like, I couldn't stop staring at his teeth. Like I didn't like his teeth and I couldn't. And I was like, girl, stop looking at this man's teeth. Stop looking at his teeth. Okay he's an amazing guy. He's someone that you really like. He's someone that has all the attributes, but you're just like, just kind of micro-focusing in on that one crooked tooth, you know, because why? Because you're scared. You're scared (laughs) that this might go somewhere. (laughs) So if we build an entire relationship on the very small component of physical attraction, that like being the foundation that relationship is going to topple over at some point because it cannot handle all the beautiful big largeness of marriage that God wants to give you. And so give the guy a chance. That's not your type. Your type is probably based on broken information from your childhood, from rejection, from maybe um, a crush that you had. I can't tell you how many times people tell me that they know who their spouse is. And it's someone who's not interested in them, someone who's never never given them the time of day. But they allow this person to become the epitome in which they compare every other relationship to. And you know what? I'm just going to tell you, Eden, I don't see that happen anywhere except for like really, really very small kind of ideas, community. Small idea community about love, about romance, and about marriage.
0: Yeah. It, what I've been taught in uh, the teachings and the books that I've read is that if someone comes to you and says, God has said you're supposed to be my wife, you run away from them. <laughs> because we did get raised in beauty culture with this whole like, oh yeah, God can tell you who your your husband is and, and then you just wait for him and eventually he'll realize it's you. And all the years that I waited, all the years that I waited and decisions I made out of hurt that uh, led me into situations that were not healthy, you know? So many stories. Yes, it's,
1: it's, yeah, it, it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart to think about just sitting around waiting for someone to pay attention to you. It just really hurts my heart. Um, I've had so many students that have come in, like you said, from that kind of mentality, that philosophy, that ideology. One girl in particular, she thought she knew what her husband's name was, and she waited over a decade to be in community or a relationship with someone by that name. And when he walked through the door, she was like, this is it this is him and he actually ended up marrying a friend of hers instead of hers, never dated her, was never interested in her and once again, it was just this first name that she felt like and that's why if you're out there right now and you're listening and I just was talking to uh, my assistant about this today because we get questions into Ask Jackie every week which is part of my mentoring community where I answer people's questions about, hey, I know who my husband is, they don't know I exist, what should I do next? You should move on. That's what you should do next because you can't miss out on your spirit mate and it isn't appropriate, not spiritually or relationally to sit around and pine away for someone secretly um, that once again, you, you are saying they don't know that I exist. So you have two choices. You can move on and move forward and begin to um, allow God to confirm those feelings um, with signs following, meaning that, you know, they start seeing you or interested in you, or you can just Go up to them and drop the hanky and say, hey, you know, I would love to get together sometime. I'd love to hang out sometime. I'd love to go to lunch. I'd love to go, you know, to, would you, would you be interested in hanging out with me? And if their answer is no, you have your answer. If your, if their answer is, yeah, I'd like to do that, then you can see where that's going to go. Um, once again, it's not, you need to surrender those ideas to God about knowing that this person is your person. That goes for the guys out there as well um i have known a lot of men because Proverbs 18:22 does say that a man is going to see and discover you know who his his good thing is who this partner is going to be for his life so i think that men a lot of times do kind of feel a stirring pretty quickly towards that but if a man is mature he is not going to share that with a woman because that's scary talk when you've only known each other for two weeks. I'm not going to share that with a woman until he gets to know her a lot better. And there is an appropriate amount of history there in which to, you know, drop that bombshell. By the way, I think God said that you are, you know, my wife. My husband did that to me. We had known each other for over four months, though. And he said, you know, I really do I really do see us getting married someday. We were not in a romantic relationship at the time. But we had enough history as good friends and as people that were going through this divorce co-parenting kind of cycle together, helping with each other's kids and, you know, really trying to learn our new normal that I was able to also respond to him in kind and say, you know, I don't think that, I think that that's a definite possibility. Like, you know, and then that was the foundation of us beginning to say, let's walk this out and see what this looks like. Let's go from friends to more than friends and see if we can sustain that. And guess what? 16 years later, we can.
0: Here you are, that's great, wow.
1: So it's the proof that it was right, right? It's the proof that it was right.
0: Yes, yes, I love the idea of waiting to give that that. word.
1: So let's talk about that. If If someone's praying or they're like at some kind of retreat or whatever, and they feel like someone gets highlighted to them, like this is your person, right? Um, And and you begin to internalize that hope that this is your person and maybe you didn't even think of them that way but now you're starting to look at them differently because of this thing that you think you felt. So if let's go back to that ancient wisdom. It says that a word should be what? It should be confirmed through what? The mouth of two or three witnesses. And that's not you getting together with your girlfriends and saying, you think I'm right, right? No, that's allowing That's putting that, taking that and giving that back to Holy Spirit and saying, hey, if this is truly coming from heaven, if this is, if this is a true download, then I'm I'm giving it back to you. I'm going to release it and then I'm going to ask for confirmations to come from outside of myself. And this is not top of the mind confirmations where you're looking for what you want to be true. That means that, you know, they come and they, they, they hand you something at church, you know, and, you know, they look you in the eye and you're like, oh, that's a confirmation. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not a confirmation. <laughs> it's you now reading all the signs wrong because you want to find evidence to make this accurate. You have to truly yes. release it right? You have to release it. Let's look at Mary. When the angel appeared to her, he told her something really bizarre. He said, you are going to be the mother of the Messiah. Remember, she was a teenage girl who grew up in a culture that was waiting for the Messiah. And now she's being told that she's the one that's going to bring him. I mean, you guys, you have to really put yourself in that position of whoa. Whoa. And I know that, you know, there's an angel showing up, but some of y'all think angels showed up to you and told you that Brad over here is your husband. So I get, I get how we can super, we can have a supernatural moment. And for all of the revival stream chickies out there, you have lots of rolling in the gold dust moments and yeah, awesome. Amazing. But a lot of times you can come away from there a little flibberty jibberty. Right? Let's just be honest. We can. And we can zig when we should zag and there's all kinds of stuff that happens. And so I love what Mary says next. She says, be it done unto me according to God's true will in his word. And then she just let it just be pondered in her heart. What's that word mean? Let it be discerned and confirmed in her heart over time. Right? And um, I think the next confirmation, of course, was a baby started growing in her belly. And, you know, and so... Allow that thing to mature, allow it to gestate, allow God to confirm it with signs following. And if it does not happen, it doesn't get confirmed. Let it go.
0: Yeah. And grieve, right? I think for me, I, when I was in that situation, I let it go. I thought, but then when I was married and I was in a really difficult situation and hard things were happening I would go back to thinking oh I should have married that guy that I that I I'd never really severed that tie and I, I don't really know how to do that but um I sit and then once I was divorced uh, my immediate thought was like well maybe it should be that guy and of course that's that's not it's not happening I've learned since how to sever that connection and and to grieve the loss of what what I used to think should be. And uh, I've taken on the mantra of like, well, if not that, then better, you know? And so I want to know from you, um, cause again, I grew up with the idea of like you only date the person you're going to marry, which really is dangerous. And so I want to know from you, what your thoughts are on like, should we be dating a bunch of people? Should we be going on many, many dates with a bunch of people? Like what does that look like? And uh, what's your advice there?
1: So I think that the word dating is an antiquated word. And I think that we need to get rid of it. If we can't get rid of it, I think that would be great because dating in the olden days used to mean something very different than what it means in the modern days. Okay. It means, you know, back in the olden days, if you were dating someone, you were courting them to marriage. People didn't just mess around with dating. They were if they were in relationship, a committed, exclusive relationship with the opposite sex, it was because they saw that person as a potential person for them to marry. Okay, but that's the way it worked. They there was definite immediate romantic uh, romantic interest in that situation. Like they weren't dating people that they weren't romantically interested in. Nowadays, people go on dates with people that they don't even know. They don't have any any type of um Uh, of uh, history with, right? You met on an app, you met online. In fact, they're a virtual stranger. They're a stranger to you. This is unnatural, isn't it? And that's why we can't call that a date because if we can't call it a date, if you're going to frame a date as romance because you don't know this person. You have no history with this person. You can't, you can't have a romantic date with this person. You're just getting to know them right now. And so if you meet them within community and you have the the you know the, the chance to get to know them over time, then you might be able to go on a real date with them because you know them, they know you, and you're not going to be going out with each other unless you, you think that there's a romantic possibility, like the olden days. If a guy asked you out in the 1980s, it's because he was sexually attracted to you and wanted to kiss you at the end of that night. That is what happened back then, right? In the 50s. And you know going steady go steady with me like b this is like this is like the precursor to marriage going steady you know we're exclusive you know i gave you my jacket i gave you a ring maybe a promise ring not the purity kind of promise ring but you know back then they gave you know there were pre-engagement rings and there were all kinds of different things back in the day i like that time better eden i'm just going to be honest with you but at the same time I know the Ancient of Days has ancient ways and that's what we try to do in my communities. We try to do community-based matchmaking. We try to let people get to know each other in community so that they can make educated decisions about who is going to really fit that desire for them um, as far as, you know, having a partner in life. But the rest of you out there that are just on the dating apps, all right, you're trying to meet people. You have to meet a variety of people and you cannot think of this as romantic rejection if it doesn't work out. These are not romances, all right? They're not. They're not interviews either, so don't treat them like that. They are just hangouts, they're just meetups, they're just you getting to know other people in an effort to get to know yourself. So, Eden, if if you got set up on five dates, if you met five guys on a dating app and you got to a first date with each one of them, some of those dates would go really, really great and some of them would not go so great. And and at least one of them, the odds are that you would just pretty much be cringing, never wanting to see that person again because they were rude. You know, they were, you know, they didn't, they didn't fit your value base and they let you know right away like by saying, you know, Hey, you know, let's go back to my place and have sex, you know, so you could go ahead and just vote that dude off the island immediately. And guys that are watching same with girls, if we think that women don't come on strong like that to men on dates, you're wrong because it happens okay for sure and so you know hey this person's not going to be a match for me for partnership someday to get married they're not going to be a match so i can just say hey you know thanks for hanging out i hope you find what you're looking for good luck goodbye and sometimes you can bless them and block them (laughs) because sometimes that's necessary but what about the people that you know you were super attracted to you definitely hope that he asks you out on a second date you told him you had a good time you're hoping he picks up that and, and and wants to see you again. You're hoping it's mutual. That's awesome. But what about the just okay dates, right? They're just okay, no fireworks, but also no like, bless and block kind of vibes either. And so, give them another chance. Two, three dates. If they keep asking you, go again because they might grow on you and I don't mean growing on you like a fungus or a mold. I mean, you might start putting down more of your walls and you might start seeing them put down more of their walls. That's what growing on you means is that you actually begin to show each other more of your real true selves. And that is what we're going to be truly attracted to. And so it's a numbers game, Eden. If you don't go on that five dates, say you only went on one date with Prince Alarming over here. And then you're like, oh, I'm done with this. I'm not going to do this. Yeah, you got to get some guys on your roster, girlfriend, all of you all out there. And you're like, well, what if I can't get a guy on my roster? Then let's work together to find out why. Because there's eight plus billion people in the world. If you don't think someone wants to go out and hang out with you and go on a date with you, then you're just in the wrong place, digging wells where it's not going to rain. That's all. We just got to figure out what it is. And Eden just said, I don't know how to break a soul tie. Well, guess what? I do. And I haven't even read the dating books. I've never even read one dating book in my entire life. And so we can help you get out of your own way, get out of God's way, because I believe that everyone who wants to be married can be married and not just to some person that they settled for, to someone who really oh, I love is a match made in heaven for them.
0: Yeah, and just as a little personal testimony, I read through through kind of a mini, mini little session. Hey, 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 I'll take it.
1: Kind
0: of like a little mini session. Yeah, this (laughs) is great. I love it. So I actually read your book, um, "Married in Twelve Months or Less," and I broke some agreements I had made about men don't find me attractive, all the things. Yes, see, there it is. I'm going to link it in the bio um, to Amazon and to Barnes and Nobles. And um, anyway. I read the book and I felt so free because I had been carrying around this like, oh, I'm overweight, like men don't find me attractive. They're looking for whatever, you know, all the things and that are not me. And then within 24 hours, I was asked out on a date. And then a week later, I was asked out on another date. And I thought, oh, my gosh, something's happened. So definitely, ladies and, and gentlemen, read the book. This is not just for women. You definitely should be reading the book and in the community and as soon as like I can, I'm going to be joining your mentorship program, which is amazing. But I wanna ask about one more disqualifier that we tend to put out there. And I just wanna know your advice because I'm in a more charismatic stream and a lot of my friends are in, in all of the Facebook groups, so charismatic singles, um, there's a bunch of them. People tend to say, I have to marry someone who's also charismatic. And I'm growing up and maturing a little bit and I'm thinking, do, do I though? So I wanna know from you, about that as far as faith is concerned when you're looking for your spirit mate do they have to align completely theologically and doctrine doctrinally? i use that word um with you in order to be a good match or what are your thoughts
1: So my thoughts are, people don't have to come from the same place as we've come from. They just have to be going the same place that we're going, right? We have to be willing to go together. We have to go together. And so if you are someone who is following hard after Jesus, you're a Christ follower, um, you know, I, hopefully this is your testimony. It's my testimony. I don't believe the same things. The the things that I believe five years ago have evolved into what I believe now. And five years from now, I'm going to believe something different. A year from now, I'm going to believe. And I'm not talking about fundamental things like, you know, Jesus being the son of God and, you know, um, the finished work of the cross being what has reconciled me to uh, my righteous identity. And it's all about Jesus. And it's not about me. I'm not talking about fundamental, you know, Uh, good news gospel kind of teachings. I'm talking about all the other stuff. You know, there there are Christians, like a lot of times I'll go to an event and I'll be like, okay, is this the Christians who drink or is this the Christians who don't believe that drinking is, that don't believe in drinking? Or is this the, are these the dress wearing Christians or are these the pants wearing Christians? Are these the, like there's so many diversities out there that all kind of fall under the Christian faith. Are these the snake passing around Christians or not? Like, you know, are these these the snake Pentecostals? Are these the, people still do this stuff, you know? And I've had the ability to go to a vast variety of denominations, Presbyterians and Methodists and and Pentecostals and Lutherans and all the things. And what they all have in common is they all believe, once again, that their salvation is in the finished work of the cross. And so that makes them Christians. But if you're a Christ follower, if you're someone who's going to continue because he's doing a new thing, and you know um, he's continuing to go forward and forward and forward, and you're evolving, then you should be matched with someone who wants to do that if you're If you're with someone who they're only going to believe what they've been taught in Sunday school when they were a kid, no matter what the denomination of Christianity is and that's where they want to camp and that's where they want to stop and that's what they want to keep their, teach their children. And even though that information isn't really working out for their life, but they don't want to dig deeper into understanding more of what God may have meant or rightly dividing that or growing in grace in that area then that may not be the right match for you. But if you're one of those people that also is just like, yep, this is all, this is what I believe, and you know, this is my story and I'm sticking to it, then that might be a good match for you. And that's why it's important for us to understand that just because you wouldn't marry that person doesn't mean that your, your girlfriend, who believes the same thing as them, doesn't want to marry that person. Let's not judge other people's choices based on our spiritual IQ. And so if you have a high spiritual IQ and you want to keep growing and growing and evolving and evolving and evolving, like that's how I am, you better marry someone who's willing to go on that journey with you because it's a rocky road. Okay. And so that's kind of my, my answer to that is equal yoking. First of all, has to do with both of you believe that Christ and the finished work of the cross is the salvation way. That's it. And you, in the grace of that. And so after that, it depends on, you know, where you want to go from there. Are you going the same direction? Are you going the same direction? Do you want the same things? Is your spirituality going to be the, the post, the mask that you both tie yourself to during this marriage? Or is it just something that you do on Sundays? Because if that's the case, you better marry someone that's like that too because otherwise you're going to feel like you're driving and dragging them for the rest of your life, and you don't want that. And, of course, when people are like, well, what about an unbeliever? Is that even a question? You know, because I don't believe in unbelievers. I believe in pre-believers. But if you feel like it's your job to evangelize them, um, then you probably have gotten the cart before the horse. If it's your job to, yeah, I mean, you can show everyone that you're around what it looks like to be part of the family of God with your kindness and your love and your grace and your empathy. Um, And if that leads into them becoming a believer and that leads to a romance, cool. But if you're going after them with the romance first and then trying to do that, I haven't seen that work out well very often. There's a handful of times that it works out well, but it's kind of like, it's a little bit like a crapshoot, right? And so I definitely don't recommend that
0: wow okay that's really really good for me to hear because i i do feel drawn to lots of different kinds of people and i my struggle has been my brain telling me no we have to check him off because like red red x on that one because he's the different denomination so i really appreciate that advice and i do appreciate this basically coaching session so um <laughs> i have one more <laughs> question for personally okay. i have designed a shirt okay. for the podcast And I am about to go to a conference, a faith-based conference, and I want to wear this shirt so badly, but my friends tell me it reeks of desperation, but I think it's super cute. And it says, single and ready to mingle. And it's like super flowery and super pretty, and you'd actually have to read it to see. And I got inspired to make that shirt because I had seen at the same event years before a man saying, looking for my missus. And I thought, this is amazing. I want to do that too. So I've designed this shirt and I'm wanting to wear it where there's going to be a bunch of Christians around, you know, um, what are your thoughts? Like, is that desperate or is it fun?
1: So first of all, um, I, I don't think that wanting to be married is desperate. I don't think that wanting to meet your partner is desperate. And I really want to talk to all the guys and girls out there that are so afraid of, you know, of being of being portrayed as desperate, of being portrayed as, you know, um, someone who's needy, someone who's looking for a human person because their relationship with God's not strong enough. God gave you the desire to partner. We are better together. And so if, if we would all just come out of isolation, out of a out of the dark and admit that to our friends and to our family and to our communities and say, you know what? I'm no longer going to be ashamed of this God given desire. God gave me this desire. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do unhealthy things to get it. And by the way, wearing that shirt is not unhealthy. It's very cute. And guess what? Because you want to do it and because it makes you feel so excited and you saw the guy doing it and you weren't like, oh, he's desperate. You're like, oh, how fun. So your spirit mate, the person that God would choose for you, Eden, would think that's fun too because you guys would think, you know, you would, he, you would be someone who, you know, the things that you do, he would think were cute, not eccentric, right? And so I can't, mm-hmm. I'm a very eccentric person and my husband thinks that all of my eccentricities are super cute and fun and sexy and all the things and I'm like, okay, because other people are like, You know, so you like, like I said before, you don't need to attract everyone. You only need to attract one and the people that look at you and give you side eye for that, those are not your people. They're not your people because you know the intention of your heart. It's not desperation. It's fun. It's inspiration. That guy inspired you at the last one with his shirt and you were inspired to do the same. And so you only need to attract someone who really is into you, Eden, and really likes the way you roll, right? And so I just want everyone out there to know that it's okay to admit that you want this. It's okay to say that, you know, that you believe that God created you for this and that it's going to happen for you. And if there are people around you that don't want to applaud and clap and cheer for your love story, those are not your people. They're not your people. They're probably dealing with bitterness and hurt and their own desperation or their own despair over this or their own bitterness over this and you know, we just speak healing over them, but at the same time Do not allow people to drill holes in the bottom of your boat Go ahead and rock your boat. See who falls out and just go ahead and leave them there Okay, because it's time to move on to the things that God has for you. Don't worry about them Someone else will pick them up another boat will come along and pick them up But you can't allow people to stop you from kind of following the beat of the cadence that God is giving you right now in your life.
0: Wow. Well, thank you, Jackie. I so appreciate your time. I, want to I you in that shirt. I, you know what? I think you're going to be where I'm going to go. So I will come up to you in that shirt. <laughs> it's going to be great. Okay, All right. And we'll so, bring, we'll everybody. together. Yes. Yes. And then I have a, I have a Etsy store cause I designed the shirt. It's amazing. Anyway. Okay. So everyone, Jackie has so many books. She has, sounds like another book coming out. She has this relationship coaching and, um, last year's single is a challenge that she has. It's free for women or for, I think men too, right? Um, is it for both? Yeah. Jackie
1: y'all JackieDorman.com. Okay. You can find everything you need. My book is available everywhere books are sold. My heart work book is available. Um, just only on Amazon, uh, and it's in a, it's in a new edition. Um, but I really do recommend you joining a heart work course. You know, don't try to DIY it. Let us coach you, let us help you to get success. We want to help you. And guess what? We're good at it. So come, we would love for you to join our community and our family
0: and and then be married and then get to go to other conferences and read other books yes. for, for other things that come up. So wow. Well, bless you, Jackie. Thanks. I so appreciate you. I can't wait to see and read your new book. And I so appreciate your time today. So for now, we'll say goodbye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, Eden. See you soon, everyone.